higher, further, faster. But does anybody care anymore? My name is Jason. I am the manager of the last video store in the universe. It's called Binge Movies Home Video. It comes to you from sunny tropical Akron, Ohio. Same exact place where this instant reaction is coming from for the new release from the MCU Phase 5, The Marvels, a sequel to both um, a little bit of a sequel to WandaVision, a little bit of a sequel to Miss Marvel, two Disney Plus series, and of course, uh, Captain Marvel, um, which came out in between Infinity War and Endgame. Is that right? I don't know. I can't keep this stuff straight anymore. This will be a non-spoiler review. If you wanted this instant reaction even more instantaneously, you should join us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies, where patrons of all levels get these instant reactions ahead of everybody else. Sometimes, most of the time, excluding this time, they get an extended instant reaction. I'm going to avoid all spoilers. I will tiptoe into some light concepts that if you're intelligent we'll get into spoiler territory but i will forewarn you before i go down that rabbit hole okay i'm not going to say anything specific but if you've seen movies you might be able to tie some things together and may shape or uh, affect your expectations in one way or the other so ultimately this has been your spoiler warning if you don't want to be spoiled at all whatsoever go see the movie or don't go see it uh they don't listen to this but if you want to know a little bit about at least what I think about the movie, then go ahead and give this a listen. That has been your warning. You shall be warned no more, except for specifically when I touch upon some things that maybe go a little further than you want me to go. Okay. Um, hmm. We're going to start with this one. General impressions. General impression is I feel like we had, what's the old saying? Uh, it originally started as, uh, 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 snatching, uh, uh, what was it? Snatching victory out of the jaws of defeat, something along those lines. And then, of course, when you're a, a team that should win and you lose anyways, it, people say, well, you are uh, snatching a defeat from the jaws of victory. And I feel like this this movie, to some extent, is like snatching an okay movie out of the jaws of a good movie. What I feel about this film is the first 20 minutes of this movie. I looked at my watch specifically, and I was like, okay, it's about 20, 22 minutes into this movie. And I'm like, I'm loving this. This is great. This is, this is fun. It's interesting. Um, it is, these, are, these are good characters. Um, I like the flavor of it. I like the direction of it. This is Nia DaCosta. She's also a co-credited screenwriter. She did, I think, the most recent Candyman and a few other films. Um, I think she was doing an excellent job. I think she does an excellent job overall, by the way. Um, they were setting their characters up well, kind of getting us up to speed. It was like, but it was, it wasn't just like rudimentary stuff. It was sort of creative. It had personality to it. It, had, it was fun. It had a lot of charm to it. And a lot of that rests on the shoulders of Miss Marvel, uh, Kamala Khan, uh, played by, oh man. See, I don't look at notes. When I do these. I literally leave the theater and step in front of a microphone. True instant reaction. Imani, Imani, last name starts with a V. She's great. I will say your, your enjoyment of this 
will be dependent will be dependent upon do you like the Kamala Khan character and her family. If you were charmed by Miss Marvel, maybe not necessarily the plot machinations, but the characters of Miss Marvel, I think you'll end up liking this movie. Um, or at least you'll be more disposed to liking the film. Um, I love the Kamala Khan character. She was the only redeemable feature, pretty much, uh, out of that terrible Avengers MMO RPG kind of games and RPG, but that online action game that they put out a few years ago. Um, I think it came in around 2020. It was like during COVID, 2019, 2020. The game was, man, it was not great. But <clears throat> her character was awesome. She's kind of the main character of that story, at least the original campaign. Uh, and she was great. And ironically, that's when I sort of fell in love with her. And then Miss Marvel came out and um, I thought they did a different, they did something different with her, but a similar sort of character. Uh, and I think the young actress who they cast was absolutely perfect. Her family is perfect. I love her mom and dad, especially her mom. I love her mom so much. But the dad, I had a laugh out loud moment in this movie with the dad. Uh, it's just, it was great comedic timing. Um, I So to me, the movie rests a lot on her charisma, and she's just got a lot of charisma. And so it really it worked in that way for me. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. I went down a Kamala Khan sort of rabbit hole. Um, I would say Brie Larson is this may be her best turn as Captain Marvel. I am not a fan of the original Captain Marvel movie at all. I think it was the wrong movie at the wrong time. I think it did the character and Brie Larson an incredible disservice. I think the general story of it did her an incredible disservice. I'll address some more of that a little bit later in more spoilery sort of territory. I think it really just set her up for failure. And then I think she responded to a lot of unfair pressure internally and externally in a way that's not wasn't great. Didn't do herself any favors either. So it's not she's not a victim, but you know it was just it was just kind of a shit show the, the whole thing. And um, we're only human. So, um, but she's really good in this. And I, it's like okay, this is probably the you know, okay where you know we're three or four, five appearances in with her now. So it's like okay, you know this is but this. We probably should have seen more of this side of her. She should have been introduced way earlier. You know, there's just, I don't have time to relitigate Marvel's absolute failings at, at um, giving females movies that are mean or consequential in any way. Um, but especially in the past, um, but she's great in this. And I think the triumvirate, the, the, the group of them, the Marvels, I think they've got great chemistry I think they're really good. I think they're all, they're all the performances are dialed in in a way that they're all doing something different on the screen that makes their dynamic very interesting. That also gets into my fundamental problems with the movie, and I do have them. Um, there are two sets of fundamental, three sets of fundamental problems that I think are going to split audiences on this movie. And, that, and they're not, not one of them is superhero fatigue, but that could be a, a deal breaker for some. The first one is kind of to my original point, which is it feels like a good movie, an okay movie snatched out of the jaws of a, of a good movie. Not a great movie, but a good one. And then we end up with an okay movie. That's a good time, and so a lot can be forgiven. Um, Marvel has a post-production problem. I don't mean special effects. They've got a process problem. This is real boring stuff, so bear with me. They had a process problem where 
Let me just put some guesswork into this, okay? My guess is they finally got around to the feedback of a lot of people are bitching and complaining uh, that their movies are too long. And somebody made the decision of like, look, we're getting a lot of grief by the length of these movies. I think we need to chop this movie down. I've seen only behind the scenes or interview stuff I've seen from Nina DaCosta or was a quote from her was that she didn't see a reason why the movie needed to be like two and a half hours long. And so she was intentionally going for a shorter runtime. If I had to guess her original movie, and this is true of like all movies, this isn't that intelligent, but like my guess would be her original movie or her original tension of the movie. It would have pushed it probably closer to two hours than what this runtime is. The final runtime is. And it feels like somebody came in and they cut down the movie. They cut out a lot of character scenes or they trimmed scenes down. So there's a lot of moments that should just breathe. That we should just sit with for a moment and we're bam onto the next thing, bam onto the next thing, bam onto the next thing. And when you do that, you're not able to really absorb because the, this movie is not primarily just to like all about action. This, this is a, kind of a heartfelt character movie about these three characters and how they're the, the, the connections in their story and the differences in their stories interrelate to each other. And I can't go much beyond that. And again, they all sort of play a different role in the movie. You can sort of pick that up from the trailer, right? Um, you know, Carol is somebody who's carrying a lot of weight on her shoulders. If you've seen the original Captain Marvel, that, carries over right like she was a brainwashed um kind of like the winter soldier a little bit right she's like this brainwashed figure um who was used as a weapon and she's trying to reckon with that um you have that and then of course you have the blip and all the consequences for monica rambo um and we saw that in um wandavision when we got into her story a little bit and so there's She's dealing with the world as it was before Thanos and what it is after and what it was before Carol had powers and when she was a little girl, right? And what it means to her as an adult woman and her, you know, her own feelings about and her gaining powers and the craziness of the world, you know, in the, the universe and everything. And then, of course, there's Kamala Khan, who is her role is that of a, um, she idealizes Captain Marvel, you know, she, she makes no distinguishment as a teenager between Captain Marvel, the comic book character in essence in her world, and a person behind that persona. She just she just knows the you know again like in her world sort of the comic book version of her. And so you can already see like okay, there's going to be a relationship here between Monica and Kamala because Monica was somebody who idealized her aunt Carol when she was young. And, you know, if you've seen the original Captain Marvel, you know, um, you know that that doesn't, there were promises made and promises not kept. So that's something, right? And so you're, okay, you're idealizing this person who I used to idealize, who let me down. Uh, do I disabuse you? Do I, do I disillusion you? Then you have Carol dealing with that of like, I don't really want to be close to people, and but maybe I do. And the original trailers for this movie, and of course with Marvel, those trailers can kind of be deceiving. 
But the original trailers, it really seemed to kind of cast Carol as more of like a standoff as sort of kind of annoyed with the girl. I'm kind of annoyed that we even have to team up like this isn't. And then in this final version of it, you get a much just telling you a much more sort of softened version of Carol. And I, I, I have a feeling that that also came into play because Brie Larson does not test well as this character. They're like, we can't have her be a grouch because people already kind of have that perception of Brie Larson. And so you can tell that the story was written a certain way and it was very likely changed around, but it was shot in alignment with that story that Nia DaCosta and her two other screenwriters kind of wrote. And then somebody else came in and said for runtime and for test marketing purposes and for character purposes, um, we got to trim this down, right? Uh, Carol's maybe coming off too unlikable. We got to really soften her. And I don't know if it was reshoots. I don't know if it was just pure editing. I don't know if it was a combination thereof. Don't know any of the background. But what it, the end result of it is, is that the heart of the movie, which is its three characters, none of their stories and the connection of their stories together, and then this fourth character who is our villain, who is also like, as all villains, in, especially in Marvel are, sort of an inverse of each of our three characters. Um, none of their stuff gets a time to breathe, and none of their stuff makes sense. And so the result of that with, with Marvel movies is when you take that and you cut it down, and you cut it down to where it still makes sense, but it no longer makes emotional sense with the clarity that it likely did, the dialogue ends up sort of feeling, and this is like a, I'm already sick of people he seeing, hearing people say this, but it's true in this case. There's certain moments, not, in, not through entire scenes, but there's certain moments that feel that the dialogue was AI generated because it doesn't, it fits, but it doesn't exactly fit. And Marvel has this problem that goes all the way back to Robert Downey Jr. where it felt like they were sort of just like editing around Downey's performance that Downey was just sort of winging on the fly. And so they're just sort of, they're, they're sort of editing around him. And so because of that, he always felt like I've mentioned this before. He was sort of disconnected from what was actually happening in the movie. And a lot of stuff he said, if you really watch the movie, like doesn't make sense given what's going on. It's like really like a lot of plug and play sort of, and you know, okay, cut here and do a Tony quip. Then they cut and Robert Downey Jr. Says something. You're like, it's funny or charming, but it doesn't exactly fit the situation. Like, and this movie's kind of full of that. Of like, well, I I understand how, but like, how did that character come at conclusion? But there's enough dialogue left. There's enough of this vestigial dialogue left. You're like, oh, they must have. There was a that conversation three scenes ago must have been like three minutes longer. And that that real that conversation that we needed that was actually like fairly well written feels like it was cut from five minutes to 90 seconds. And then I also have the effect where it seems like the, the scenes were rearranged slightly a little bit. And so you have like an emotional confrontation between two characters. Um, and it's a scene that we've all seen like a hundred times where we're talking about one thing, but we're really kind of talking about another thing, but we're both trying to keep the peace and, and then, you know, somebody's going to go, okay, you know, like I give you an example, it would be like uh, in a movie or in life, you'd be like, uh, you know, okay, well, um, you know, I don't think the toaster's working. 
No, nothing works around here. Yeah, well, can you help me fix it? Yeah, sure. I'll help you fix the toaster. Why did you break up with me anyways? Oh, you really want to have this conversation? Yeah, I really want to have the conversation. Why did you break up with me? I thought everything was going great. And now, out of nowhere, I was blindsided. You were blindsided, right? You understand what I mean? And then, like, you're about to get that cathartic moment, and then, like, there's something to be revealed, but doesn't quite get... You know the scene I'm talking about. There's a moment where that happens. Then the scene ends, and we cut to another scene, with the same set of characters, and the blocking doesn't make any sense. Where, like, there's a character walking up the stairs, and there's a character at the table, and that's... The two of them were just down below talking. But now the other character is just like sitting at the table. And then this other conversation is going to happen between the other two characters. And it just, it's jarring because what you realize is like, oh, this is like, this has been messed with in a way to where it doesn't really flow. And sometimes you get that sense where it was like, oh, this was just kind of directed poorly. And somebody salvaging this because the script didn't work. I actually don't get that sense with this movie. My sense with it is that the director and the writing, the direction and writing worked, but it didn't work for what they felt they wanted this to be. And somebody in post came in and just snipped it up. And so it's not irredeemable, but it's got that same problem that a lot of Marvel movies do. So that's like fundamental problem number one. That was a long way. The other two are going to be shorter. I don't even remember the third right now. So it might just be two. Um, the second one, second problem with the film, well, I do remember Emma three now, but the second problem with the film is that the villain's plot, even for Marvel standards, is incredibly stupid. And this is kind of where I'd get into maybe some spoilery sort of stuff, but I I think I'll avoid it just to say it's really stupid. There's 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 one element of it in particular. Like There's, there are phases to her plot, to her villainous plot. The reasoning behind it kind of makes sense as far as villain motivation. Plot, num plot point number one, though. Plot point number one is reminiscent of something that... How do I say this? It's reminiscent of a movie you wouldn't want this movie to be likened to, Okay. I don't know if they did it on purpose or thought nobody would notice or thought it was clever or whatever, but it, or just, they didn't recognize it. I don't know. So phase one of her plan is really fucking stupid. Like, I can't believe they're doing this because there's another movie that did this and oh boy. So that's number one. Number, the, the second phase of her plan would have disastrous consequences. It's one of the stupidest things imaginable that you could do. And by the way, this is the sort of character who is so blinded by her desire for justice in, in her mind that you could just sort of that you could have rolled that in and be like, you're doing these things, but, but they're, and they, they kind of do, but it's like, you're doing these things, but they're illogical. And you could have played those illogical scenes and shown the consequences of her because there's this other subtext. Again, I don't want to get into it without that would be a little bit spoilery, but there's, there's, there's this subtext of like what your intentions are versus what your impact is. Okay. 
and that never really completely comes together. And it would have been a great juxtaposition between a couple of these characters, you know, especially our main villain of like, well, here's what I'm wanting to do, but here's what my impact is. And that would be, would have made that character multidimensional and very interesting. Okay. So that was number two. Uh, phase three of the plan is fine, but first two are just like asinine. Um, and she's not really a character, you know, like because they don't, it feels like a lot of her stuff was just cut right out of the movie. Um, very much like Gore the God Butcher, where it's just sort of like, well, he's in there, kind of, but but nowhere near as good as that character. But I'm just saying, it's like, okay, and you just got rid of him. So, uh, and then the, the third problem is that it's it relies a lot on a particular brand of humor that you're either going to vibe with or you, two scenes in particular, that you're either going to vibe with what they're doing um, or you are going to say, this is a jump the shark moment for the MCU. If you don't already believe they've jumped the shark. To me, I think the jump the shark moment was Thor, Love and Thunder. The whole movie was a jump the shark moment. Um, I vibe more with the first long comedy bit in the movie than I did the second one. I wasn't bothered by the second one, but it just felt protracted and it just, it wasn't, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm watching the screen and I'm knowing they're banking on this, this one big bit to really land, to really land. And it had it really landed for me and for my audience. Um, I think that it would be what everybody was talking about. And I think there'll probably be people who do walk away from this movie loving that sequence. And that might be the highlight of the movie for them. And so if that's you, you're really going to like this movie to me. I'm more so like the first one and didn't really the first extended comedy bit and didn't really like the second one as much. I didn't dislike it again, but it was just sort of like did nothing for me. So, um, but I could also see a lot of people watching both of those bits and going, what are we doing here? What a mess. And so I, it sounds like I'm trashing the movie, right? Because I'm saying um, all of the heart and character stuff has been all chopped up and whittled down and, and isn't as strong as it could be. Isn't it as strong as it apparently was at one point. Um, and that the villain has a stupid plan, a really stupid plan, even by MCU standards, as a bad villain, even by MCU standards. And that there's comedy that a lot of people could see as cringe. So that's why I'm like, if this one splits audiences, I completely understand that because if you find Kamala Khan charming and you find the chemistry between our three leads endearing and charming and fun, and you find this to be a fun adventure movie and you're not as worried about those elements or you they don't stick out to you or you find the movie funny, it you know it's an enjoyable movie. So you can kind of forgive all of that. It's like an enjoyable and perfect movie adventure movie if you can if you can experience it on that level i think you will probably like the film if all of that stuff really like grinds your gears you're not going to like the movie so i think it's probably going to be like a 50 50 split for people so for me if i had to give this thing a score out of 10 using the letterbox scale here from answer reaction i would give it like a three you can't do quarter on letterbox right 
I don't know. I'd probably give it like a three. Three seems like three seems low. <laughs> three and a half seems too high. I'd probably give it a three. I'd probably give it a three. That seems so low. You can't do quarter star. I don't think you can. Let's say three and a half. I've, again, this is instant reaction. So these are my well thought out arguments about the movie. I would say just off of gut reaction and walking out, three and a half. Not overly relying upon a lot of references to the other MCU stuff. It's, um, but it's a good, it feels, realistically, it's a four-star movie that's been probably messed with down to three stars. But I can see what it probably was was at one point, and I, I give it a three and a half. That's probably the best way to put it. So, um, really liked it. I, I I I hope that we get more. I hope we get more from these three together. I hope that we get. I don't think this movie's going to do great, and I think that Marvel's probably going to learn the wrong lessons from that. And uh, man, if I if I was going to do an extended cut of this, what I'd love to talk about is momentum. Momentum is everything. Mo because take this as your semi-extended cut free preview, like HBO used to do back in the day. Like, oh, it's HBO free preview. Take this as your free preview. Momentum creates narrative. Momentum creates perception, and perception is reality. People do not make decisions based on facts. And for those of us that are more logical, for instance, Enneagram, Type five, wing four, or maybe wing six. Don't remember. Uh, sort of people. INTJs, INTPs, um, anybody with a T, ENTP, you know, or whatever. Um, high C, high D in the disc profile. If you're a highly contemplative thinking, overthinky sort of person, um, you make you probably make more of your decisions based on the data. Like I'm going to look at all the facts. I'm going to do all the research. I'm not going to have an emotional out uh, attachment to whatever the particular outcome is. I'm going to find out what the best evidence based thing is, and I'm going to go with that regardless of how I feel. And you're typically better able to compartmentalize. It's typically, generally on a spectrum. All those caveats aside, most people don't function that way. They function differently. They make more of the decisions based on how things make them feel. You know, it's not what if, if the numbers say one thing and my gut says another. I'm gonna go with my gut because I don't uh, I don't know numbers, right? But I have this emotional attachment to a particular outcome, so that's gonna be the thing that shapes my. And that's why marketing is so powerful. That's why propaganda is so powerful. That's why persuasive speech is rarely factual doesn't matter if it's factual. People don't have that same stimulus from facts. It doesn't matter if this movie is factually better than the rest of Phase 5 put together. I don't know that it is, but I also don't know that it isn't. It doesn't matter. Say it was. Say it was like, very clearly, this is better than everything in Phase 5 so far. It doesn't matter because the narrative has already been set. The feeling is set. And most of the time, we build... Narratives around our feelings. 
We come up with, and we call that narrative reason, but it really isn't. It's perception. And perception defines our reality. It's called effectual realism. That the way that we see the world, we see it through the lens of our own emotions as opposed to perceiving the world accurately and then having an internal locus of control. See, I told you this is going to be weirdo shit. But here we are. And okay, I'm, rea- I'm responding to and I'm, you know, uh, outside stimulus and processing it and feeling it. And I, re- I can divorce my feelings from what I'm experiencing. I recognize that my feelings are not reality. A lot of people cannot do that. And when you can't do that, and, and people collectively were not good at it as a collective herd. A person is smart. People are dumb, men in black, on the money. So we're all kind of dumber when we're together, group think, all this social dynamics and stuff like that. So long story short, the social dynamic is the narrative, the perception, the feeling that we all have is that Marvel is washed. So it doesn't really matter what they put out. They could put out consistent, consistently good TV, consistently good movies, the next four movies in a row. And it won't be until the fifth movie that you'll see the tides start turning and people go, actually, I think Marvel's back. Is Marvel back? And that's assuming no bad faith arguments. That there haven't been a litany of people who have resented the idea that whatever we have left of monoculture has been primarily dominated by superhero movies. If you do not think that there has been a collective effort on behalf of the hoi polloi of the film academia, ivory tower, film criticism people against the superhero genre, you're dead wrong, right? It's, that is 100% the case. And those people and other Hollywood types who do not respond to those movies um, are reveling in it. They're reveling in it. They're, fu- they're fanning the flames of the backlash against Marvel. So there are the facts of what Marvel has actually created for themselves, which is they've oversaturated the market with mediocre products and they've, their quality control creative process is pretty much non-existent. And it wasn't really a problem until they ran out of characters people gave a shit about. Because even towards the end of like phase three and, or phase four, it was getting shaky. But they could cover it up because we love these characters or we, or we enjoy them at the very least. So, but again, when the momentum is swinging the other way, when the momentum is positive, you don't see all the holes. Everything's perfect. Everything's wonderful. This is so great. Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And yeah, it's not that good, but oh man, because why? Because the feeling of it, the feeling of it, it was, it was exciting to go see these Marvel movies, you know, and yeah, they didn't quite do what I thought they were going to do, but oh man, what about the next one? There was, there was so much energy and just what's the next thing going to be? Now that that's gone, and now it's sort of the inverse of that, we look and go, oh, my God, what's the next one going to be? doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the quality was or what the quality actually is. What matters is momentum. You see it all the time. You see it all the time uh, in a lot of different facets. This is where I could go on a um, tear about WWE versus AEW right now, Um, but I won't. Unless you want me to on Patreon. I'll do it on Patreon. Patreon.com slash binge movies. Thank you for listening. Until next time, binge on.